0: Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's way lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Welcome to Edible Alpha. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, so um, why don't we start with having you guys introduce yourselves and and the organization that you're from.
1: Sounds good. Um, So I'm Joe Barbary. I'm the Sustainable Agriculture and Forestry Program Manager at Rural Action, which is a community development organization that serves southeast Ohio, the Appalachian portion of the state. And uh, Brian Vatican is our social enterprise coordinator, and I'll let him give his uh, background yeah my name is brian vatican so i work with
2: uh rural action the larger organization owns and operates two social enterprises one of which is the chester hill produce auction which we're going to talk about today but that's uh that's the majority of my my job is working with those two businesses to expand both in in social and environmental impact as well as you know grow the business in terms of sales and profitability
1: sure. and kind of from a broader uh you know, lens that rural action works in. You know, we started in the early 90s as, um, you know, a citizen-led response to um, difficult economic conditions that led from extractive industries like coal and timber um, throughout the 20th century. And so our work really focuses on all the assets that we have in the region, agriculture, forestry. We work in watershed restoration, sustainable energy, entrepreneurial communities, social enterprise,
0: Wow, so so you're doing quite a lot.
1: Yeah, we do the, a lot. The and bigger grinded. the bigger
0: organization does, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and what is the other social enterprise before we go on to the one to the yeah?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So the other social enterprise that we've grown is in our zero waste program, um, and it took a, a very different path from the Chesterfield Produce Auction, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about. Um, you know, it's more. It's called Zero Waste Event Productions LLC. Uh, and it's a outdoor festival and event recycling, composting, material management company. So they essentially mm. go to music festivals and other outdoor events and work with them to do all of their waste management, but with uh, a particular focus on... One, keeping the event clean and comfortable for, for everyone involved, but also helping them work towards zero waste, which mm-hmm. is 90% or more of the material diverted from the landfill. Um, so that, as opposed to the produce auction, is actually sort of a, a pretty nimble, scalable opportunity. So that right. we actually spun off as a for-profit LLC mm-hmm. uh, earlier this mm-hmm. year, but we're, we remain uh, majority
0: owners. Right. Interesting. And is that um, in more than just Ohio or... <laughs>
2: It's growing. Yeah, it uh-huh. started just here doing some, you know, cool community events. Uh, one of the big festivals we have is the Nelsonville Music Festival, and that was sort of our first—the first people to take a risk on us. Mm-hmm. But uh, this past year, they did 35 festivals in six states. Wow! Uh, and they're—they're they're just trying to—to to grow. Sort of exponentially, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we let's we'll come. We may come back there because I Absolutely. I think this broader conversation about what a social enterprise is and what it could be is something that we should talk about in this as well as the produce auction. But the reason that when I met you guys, I told you this that. Um, um, we have a produce auction here in Wisconsin, and it's just such a fundamental part of the infrastructure for local vegetable production. And as I travel around the country I and talk to people who are involved in food systems development, the conversation almost never goes to produce auctions because they aren't very sexy, right? Um, (laughs) So then I ran into you guys. I'm like, damn, these guys have a great produce auction. So I'm really glad that you're here so we can talk about what you do.
2: Well, Joe said it, I think, when we met you is that um – you know, of all the produce auctions we've looked into, uh, none of them are quite like us. We're definitely an odd one. We, mm-hmm. We've tried to make the produce auction sexy in a way. We've mm-hmm. put a lot of time into marketing and things that we'll talk about and, and adding on programs mm-hmm. uh, because they really range in what they look like depending on, you know, right. where they are and, and the community, you know, in which they're located.
0: Right. I mean, the one we have in Wisconsin that I'm thinking of um, is in a, a very um, rural part of this state, the southwestern part of this state in the driftless area it's been there for a long time and um, most of the farmers coming to it uh, who use it are Mennonite or Amish and so it is very bare bones but having said that um, it is everybody knows it's there and um, there are lots of buyers who go there and people from as far away as Chicago go there to buy so um, yeah so let's talk about yours
2: yeah, would it help um, if we gave sort of a, a description
1: of how it came about and, and how we got involved? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Okay.
1: Perfect. So, um, like you know, like a lot of our projects at Rural Action, uh, we kind of follow local communities, their needs, and see where it takes us. You know, what whatever it might be we're talking about. So, in the early 2000s, um, we were working a lot in Morgan County, which is just to the northwest or northeast of Athens County and looking at, um, you know, wholesale production to just, you know, broadly expand the regions growing to to try to reach some institutions like Ohio University, uh, major hospitals, places that were interested in local procurement, but just hadn't quite figured out how to do that yet.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And in the process, you know, I think this is kind of a typical story with a lot of um, specialty crop and had communities, we were finding that producers were, you know, getting into contracts of some sort with an institution or even just something word of mouth and ended up getting burnt in the season when something didn't turn out well.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So we were, you know, working with producers in Morgan County. And in the process, Mott met um, the Congles, who had, were a couple who had retired to Chester Hill which is a village, you know, right in the southern part of Morgan County, and had come from a community down in southern Ohio by the river that had a pretty big Amish community and produce auction that served all their growers. They wanted to replicate the model. They saw the value of, you know, connecting producers to an easy market that guaranteed them sales. They weren't relying on a contract. And um, so when our when our team, um, led by Tom Redfern, who's the director of Sustainable black and forestry here met the Conchs, knew the producers, saw that the buyers were interested. The pieces just kind of fell into place from there. Um, so in 2004, really the the main planning for the auction began, and it was a lot of community stakeholders, you know, farmers as well as folks from Chester Hill, um, meeting with Rural Action and our team, and then other service providers from the area, you know, small business development centers at OU. Um, and lots of other folks like that who were really kind of laying out the groundwork for everything. And then in 2005, we had our first uh, auction on the property that the the Conkles had purchased on the top of a hill under a tent and sold, you know, a little bit of produce. And that was the beginnings of, Mm. you know, this wild 15-year journey.
0: (laughs) So the Conkles just took it upon themselves to buy this land for for this purpose.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they case. were they were investors. Yeah.
0: Nice, nice. And it
2: wasn't uh, it wasn't until two thousand nine, I believe, that. They they had tried it. They I mean, you know, from that first tent day, they built right. a, a concrete and, and right. enclosed pavilion, and mm-hmm. they were starting to have more regular auctions. But they were sort of done. You know, that was it meant to be their retirement, and they uh, and right. they were interested in selling, and so Rural Action um, got some uh, grant, got some community investors, and then took out uh, a mortgage as well to purchase mm-hmm. the the property, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has become one of the centerpieces of our sustainable agriculture programming. I mean, to the point that it started as a, as a cool side project and it is built into this, hmm. um, you know, almost, in, almost entire, almost year-round uh, social enterprise at this point. We're, we're um, up to March through December. That's pretty <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple months where without an enclosed uh, building, it would be pretty hard.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, clearly you don't have the same climate we have here. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, I think yeah. So, okay, that's that's crazy amazing. So, what happens at the auction these days?
1: Starting in March, we'll have our first Saturday auction, which mm-hmm. are these specialty auctions for uh, the growers who are producing wood products and livestock. And then in April, we'll kick off the season in the later part of the month with our mm. regular weekly, twice-weekly auctions. So starting at the end of April all the way through the end of October, uh, every Monday and Thursday at 4 o'clock, we will start selling produce. And it's coming in, you know, probably in the early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Of course buggy on the backs of trucks, in trailers, um, and folks just bringing it, you know, backyard market gardeners and their Cars or trucks as well. So there's a range of producers who are coming out too. Interesting. Um, I think when you think of produce auctions, a lot of times the ones that are at this really big scale are, you know, things being sold by the buggy load, just coming in constantly, constantly, you know, massive scale. Um, But ours, I think, reaches a, a pretty wide spectrum of established and beginning producers for the region
0: interesting and so they come can is there any like volume requirements like you need to have two cases or anything works
1: nope anything works okay. we, we encourage standardized packaging which we have available on site okay. um for pretty affordable prices that we get wholesale mm-hmm. and uh yeah so we we really are the point where it all happens but mm-hmm. on the backside, you know we're doing the marketing we're doing kind of all the promotion to to push the drivers the benefit is that everything sells because it's an absolute auction but Mm -hmm. our job is to make sure that folks show up
0: right to um, buy things yeah so okay so these um producers converge on this site and help us imagine what your building looks like
1: that (laughs) brian
2: do you want to get that one sure yeah so it's it's a beautiful drive up, really off sort of a, a county highway. Mm-hmm. And then you come onto this property, Gravel Road. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, it's set back like maybe 1,500 feet from the road.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you're passing by farms as you're coming up to the property, right? So you definitely sure. get the idea. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, uh, you're in that kind of territory. Mm-hmm. And then the the main auction building is just essentially a three-sided um tin roof pavilion Mm -hmm. um and uh so as you're coming into the property you see some garage doors but as you drive around the back of the building it's all open um -hmm. and that's where you know it's sort of elevated concrete floor where trucks or buggies are pulling up unloading um you know and, and as as it's it's more people start to show up during the day and you have a lot of people helping the farmers to unload, whether mm. it's uh, AmeriCorps service volunteers, our staff, just other other farmers that are, haven't left yet helping each other. Right. Um, and then, you know, Joe mentioned, um, you know, we have all these different, we, we've sort of diversified. It's not just the bulk sale of produce anymore, right? So we have mm. on the side of the building next to our front desk we've got the country cooking cart which is sort of a a food cart on on cinder blocks that (laughs) sell um you know just some home home style cooking uh uh, during the auction and then there's the country store with baked goods um Mm. you know at at a retail price not not auction um, jams carpets and then when you look back and i was going to mention this um When you look back, the new structure that we have there is our our livestock and hay barn that we built last year, another three-sided, sort of uh, a tin-siding, tin-roof pole barn, Um, and that's one of the the interesting things that's really happened. I mean, produce remains absolutely our primary um, business and, and the purpose of the auction, but our community, you talked about the Amish and Mennonite community. We have one as well, but it's pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, around the big produce auctions, you see 50 families. And I think we have maybe eight eight or ten mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of big produce-growing families. So we've found that to really draw in more sellers and buyers and, and extend the season beyond just when you can grow produce, We've developed this this um, handcrafted wood products market, and, mm. and we've developed the livestock auction, and that's that's where we've built up those Saturday auctions to really create
1: more of a year-round presence, right? Mm. And and you know, like the origins of the auction itself, those other events, those specialty events were driven by you know this really strong group of growers who uh, form up kind of our advisory board,
3: who mm-hmm. you know
1: we meet with throughout the off season once a month to um, really present them all the data that we have on, you know, what the sales trends were, where we kind of ended up for the year and to find out where they want to go next year. So in those um, meetings, you know, they're, they're essentially telling us, Hey, we're making, you know, furniture, not just for our consignment auctions throughout the season, but we're also making stuff year round for people and people want a place where they can buy more of it and we can Mm -hmm. sell more of it. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, all those events grew out of that and, you know, like Brian said, we're getting close to year round at this point. We almost have time off still.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you may have to enclose that building. I don't know. Right. Um, so, so, so with the furniture, is that um, is that an absolute auction as well, or is it um, consignment sales?
2: So it is. It's we, an absolute auction. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So and you may want to explain what that means.
2: Sure. Right. So, so there are several types of auctions. What what we do. Um, is there's no minimum, there's no reserve, mm-hmm. so the auctioneer starts it at a number that um, he or she feels is appropriate, and then you know is going to go down until someone bids, and then go back up. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no you know there's no reserve where. If you where don't we say no no sale, no sale. You know. Mm-hmm. Which which is risky. And I think that's and then and then the, the produce auction takes a sixteen percent commission on mm-hmm. all sales. Um but but the absolute auction model is risky but uh, the the growers have consistently said that they'd prefer that to a reserve where they might have to come back and pick up
3: their right, product. Right, and right. I think
2: that's we've talked about changing it for something like wood products, where mm-hmm. it's like it's not going to go bad the next day, as opposed right. to produce. But really, as Joe said before, with with produce, the value, as opposed to a farmers market um, or on farm sales, with this is. Their time commitment, unless they're volunteering to help out, is driving it over, and dropping it off,
3: right, <laughs> and right.
2: they know that they will not have to pick anything up. They mm-hmm. won't have to come deal with it. You know, if if it if it wasn't good produce or if it was a bad day, it, they're not going to get a high as high of an amount, but they don't need to worry about. Um, oh, I didn't sell everything at the farmers market, and I spent five hours of my time on it. Um, you know they're they're going to drop off as much as they can, and then get the check the next week. Right.
0: Right, 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 right. And for the farms, it it's sometimes the alternative is they don't harvest at all. Right, they leave it in the field mm-hmm. because they don't have a buyer. So right. in a way, this is like found money for a farm. That's why it's so valuable to have it in a food system.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other you know benefit that we've seen too with the absolute auction is you know they're. There was kind of the initial worry about, well, if nobody's there and the price drops off, what happens? And that sh- certainly happens. But if you look at seasonal averages, for a lot of our products, they hold pretty strong even compared to you know retail at farmer's market. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is that now we've built up with some of our community partners working on food access ways to purchase that product at its lowest and make sure it's going to folks in need. So even when, you know, we have a glut of tomatoes there, right? the ones at the end going for less than the other ones, we have partners through community food initiatives, a local nonprofit mm-hmm. that operates the donation station on site. And they're using, you know, local funds that they've raised through grants and through donors or folks who are just going and have extra money are buying it and literally just giving all that to them right there on site and they take it back and get it to, you know, I think food pantries in every part of Athens County and beyond. That's that's so fantastic. I think they're working with forty food pantries
2: at the moment.
0: Wow! Wow! So that's fantastic because it kind of establishes a floor too, in a way. Right? Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The the distribution channels. So that's one, and then we can talk about it now, or we could wait. Um, Yeah. The distribution channels have been another way to stabilize demand. Essentially, Mm -hmm. you know. We we get contracts for farm to school that are summer long or you know se- season long. Mm-hmm. Same with with some of the um, another one of our food access programs is called Country Fresh Stops, where we set up um, shelving units or, or refrigerated cases in convenience stores mm-hmm. and um, in in food insecure areas, mm-hmm. and then they're placing remote orders for produce. So. We usually go into an auction potentially with up to you know five to eight hundred dollars in orders that we need to place. Right? Mm-hmm. So that really, you know, if, if no one if no one shows up, um, <laughs> it, it does it doesn't guarantee anything, but it does help. Right. Um, you know that it's not just everything going
1: for twenty five cents a peck. Yeah. Right. And just kind of as a frame of reference, I guess last year all of those food access programs that we that we run. Um, Accounted for about ten percent of our total gross nice. sales for this nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I would think that the thing that would just worry people as they listen to this is, well, you know, the prices will be just horrible, and what right. do you do if it's going to go way down? So the other part of that is is getting people, getting buyers there. Um, so what is uh, who typically buys at your auction, and where are they coming from?
2: So we have. Um, the people who are coming to the auction specifically, mm-hmm. uh, two sort of types of buyers that I would talk about um, that are that we feel are key um, and and the most important in terms of sales, I think, are resellers. Right. So mm-hmm. these are um, people with 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 stands, you know, on the side of the road, or they're being a broker essentially, selling at other farmers' markets, um, and they're really just trying to get. You know, find find the place where they get good produce for cheap so that they can market up and sell at retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have people, it's a little hard to nail down sometimes because it's, you know, it's not like we have a, um, a separate category for them. Right, uh, we we right. have to look and, and talk to them and know your customer, right? Right. Um, and... Uh, so there's there's several of them that that then constitute a a fairly large portion of sales but in Mm -hmm. terms of the the majority of sales um throughout the year we're looking at um families i mean individuals and families we we really want to ramp up the the reseller the Mm -hmm. restaurant the institution um but in you know I don't remember if we mentioned, but our our sales this year were about Mm $305,000 gross. Um, And the majority of that are from families in Morgan, Athens counties, and and the surrounding counties down through um, a couple of the mid-Ohio Valley counties in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Just buying bulk um, produce for canning, um, for events. You know, it's really... uh, it's really just
0: that is people, so interesting
2: with families to feed,
0: <laughs> right? So what's interesting too? I'm I'm imagining it's it's probably like like fun to come, right? Because this is there's something fun about auctions, and then you have the the parked food truck, and you have the ba- place to buy pies. Like I I can imagine going there just to for the theater of it all.
1: Yeah, yeah, we absolutely you know as part of that group that Brian mentioned have folks that come out way before the auction starts, and it's where they catch up with each other, you know, whether mm. it's the beginning of the season and they haven't seen each other for months, or they haven't seen each other for a couple of days. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a place to, you know, it's it's kind of the um, public space for most of the county and surrounding counties. Hmm. And and this is a tough, I mean, this is a, a business conversation that we have a lot,
2: right? Right. We've been to other produce auctions that are bare bones. Right. You don't sit on the auction floor. You know, the auctioneers right. moving around, they're right. selling produce as fast as they can and getting it out. Um, there's not really any, any form of community because it is a, like a, a terminal market. It's, a, it's an auction right. to, to move produce. So we have not gone that route. You know, mm-hmm. and we have we have our our big lots section and our small lots. Okay. You know where big lots being triples, doubles, um, you know the multiples with which you have to buy the, mm-hmm. the item. So those are generally where the resellers are going, or or the you know donation buyers or. The, the remote buyers. And then we have a separate auctioneer, a separate space on the floor for singles. Oh, in small interesting. Lot. Mm-hmm. And people are bidding on, you know, a half pack of green beans right. or one or two pints of raspberries right. or, you know, a few bulbs of garlic. I mean, it's really interesting it's an auction for a retail quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you see 20, I mean, on, on good days, you see, just in that area, twenty-five to thirty people mm. sitting in lawn chairs, um, <laughs> for, you know, for, for the auction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very, it's a it, like Joe said, it's become that that third space, that public space where where people can go. But you know, there are real business costs associated with that. So we often talk about, you know, well, should we minimize that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, where is the trade-off between? the the fun community auction versus selling the products that bring in more commission for
0: us, right, yeah. right, and and that gets back to this social enterprise conversation because you have this set up as a mm-hmm. as a um, enterprise, not as a uh, what grant pro- funded program, right.
2: Yeah, we so we do through the ag program we get grants that support different elements of the of the distribution and the food access.
0: Mm, Right, right. But
2: our goal is to make the the auction operation itself um, run off of earned income. Mm -hmm,
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is it pretty close to doing that?
2: Well, it depends. It depends
0: (laughs) um, how you count. It depends on a lot. Yeah. So let me let me
2: sorry. it covers almost all operations expenses mm-hmm. there, but we subsidize a lot of labor through mm-hmm. the AG team mm-hmm. um, because the positions are, are paid for, and, and that's actually the big move we're making in, in this year and the next couple of years. We got a grant to, to hire a position to focus solely on operations of the mm-hmm. auction, and then the, her her primary goal. Um, besides making the auction run, is to help grow sales to the point where um, the commission can pay most, if not all, of her salary.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's taken, you know, on a, on a 16% commission model, it has taken a long time to even get where that was a, a possibility. Right. Um, you know, it, when when they started at, I think, the first year, or the year that we real action bought it, sales mm-hmm. were... 60,000. 60, okay. So you know that's what eight or nine thousand that mm-hmm. you have left over for operations. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's right. a big difference now mm-hmm. on what we're able to do, but uh, but we do still have a little ways to go
0: there. Right. Right. Well, your your location is pretty rural, right? I mean, this is we're, not. Are you close to a major city?
1: We are closest to Columbus, which is uh, still about 90 miles, though. Okay. So we get a lot of folks directly from, you know, the county, surrounding counties, West Virginia, because we're about 30 miles or so from the border. But, you know, by and large, we're rural. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good thing is there. you know, the, the beauty of southeast Ohio attracts a lot of folks. So we do get a lot of customers and a lot of new customers each year. Who are coming through because they've heard about us through, you know, the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau mm-hmm. or, you know, a local uh, landmark that they came to see, you know, maybe it was the Hocking Hills or something, and they mm-hmm. decided to take a day trip out and see us. Mm-hmm. And they'll spend a little bit of money, but, right. you know, they come for the experience and they tell others about it, too.
0: Right. And
2: that's a... That's a, a one of the biggest justifications we've made for the Saturday auctions is, right. mm-hmm. you know, the the when you look, most produce auctions we've looked at are week, you know, during the during
0: week. During the week, sure.
2: Because it's it's a business, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a business to uh, business kind of operation. Mm-hmm. The more sort of B two C that we've made it, um, and adding in the furniture and adding in the mm-hmm. livestock. The people coming to that, you know, as a one time tourist visit usually aren't coming at four PM on a Monday or a Thursday. Mm-hmm. So having that, you know, it's our Saturday auctions start at eleven, mm-hmm. um, you know, every second Saturday and, and that is really can be a driver for, for new people coming out that aren't working on the weekend or, mm-hmm. or doing a, a weekend trip to like right. Joe said, to the Hawking Hills or
1: another mm-hmm. local. Right. And I think the 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 real capacity that having the new position Uh, focusing just on the produce auction um, really adds is the ability for us more programmatically to then work on the parts of the business that really expanded. So I think as a retail, you know, place-based destination, this kind of cultural thing, we work really, really well. Um, But now, you know, with a full-time person, we're able to look at how we get into those institutional customers. Mm -hmm. And that's really the focus for us for the next season, a couple of seasons um, you know, looking with uh, the institutions at what they need to buy from us uh, as a wholesale destination, which right. some are, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's some that, you know, want GAP certification that we're working with and mm-hmm. things like that that we can focus our efforts on as well to really grow that side of the business as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So to, to do a, a vivid example there, this will allow Joe, Tom, and I to do the business development right. and Jessica to work on operations, whereas... You know, for the last couple of years, Joe Joe and I, Joe does more of it, but splits clerking for the auction. Mm -hmm. I do chicken testing for the livestock auction. Somebody's got to do chicken testing. You know, somebody's got to do it. And we have a great time, but... You know, it's, it's become, a you know, 62 auctions a year, $300,000 business. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't work as a few people spending a little bit
1: of their week on it mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> right,
0: right. So let's talk about this livestock thing. So are these live animals coming in?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Folks are bringing in, you know, everything from a few crates of pullets to, uh, you know, a couple calves in the back of a truck. And usually, you know, about an hour or so before the livestock auction actually begins each Saturday, so they're not mm-hmm. hanging around all day. But uh, yeah, yeah, we've got a person that stocks or that uh, staffs the livestock barn, helps folks unload, helps folks make sure they're not blocking in, you know, anybody else, all the usual things. And
0: right, right. Then
1: the live animals, you know, the auctioneer comes down there, mm-hmm. they walk around, box them off, and they're gone.
0: Right. So are those mostly animals are they animals where the customers are farmers? Like they're going to yeah, they're going to raise the calf, for example. Or is it like a consumer buying chickens who are live and they're going to take them home and butcher them at home?
3: Yeah,
2: in our in our experience it's mostly been farmers so far. I right?
0: would imagine so right?
2: rotating yeah. the chicken, you know, rotating mm-hmm. the flock or yeah buying a a calf to then raise it. And, um, there have been though, um, there's one in particular, uh, Grower that brings ready to butcher mm-hmm. pigs, right? Um, and so I think there are hmm. consumers buying them and then making a deal with the farmer to, hey, will you haul this up to uh, the right. USDA yeah. butcher facility yeah. and I'll get my meat? <laughs> um, yeah. But that I would say is the is the minority so far, and yeah. the scale. You know, this is the first year we've done it. The scale is still pretty small.
3: It, right.
2: it's, it was way larger than we expected. Huh. But you know, we're talking maybe. I don't know, 30 to 40 lots, you know, individual animals per auction. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing like, you know, an established livestock auction where you've got, you know, 500 calves coming through. Right.
0: Right, right. It's just fascinating to me that, that that there's that much interest in that. You know, I just it's kind of fascinating. I you know I what it makes me think of is you know people spending 150 bucks to be to go to a place where they're taught how to cut up a pig. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like this is like who's gonna ever buy a whole pig and cut it up in their kitchen? Like really? But they'll pay one (laughs) hundred and fifty bucks to go and learn how to cut up a pig. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. Ag tourism. It is ag tourism. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's why I was curious about who you know who is actually buying at your livestock livestock auction, and then with the furniture. Now I'm assuming that's a lot of tourism tourists. It
1: it is the. The Tourism, but it's also a few, uh, you know, smaller locally owned furniture stores and antique oh, stores. Okay. Yeah, yeah, folks that are coming and getting, you know, still better than retail price on amazing handmade furniture, you know, right. locally milled lumber, and then take it down the river or take it over across to West Virginia or, mm-hmm. you know, even McConnellsville, wherever it might be, and mm-hmm. uh, selling it to. Folks coming in town, interesting. and one of the other, I, I've had
2: this, and this is just anecdotal, but I, I've had this experience a couple times now. Um, the growth in the Hawking Hills as a tourism right. destination, people are people from Columbus even are coming down and building cabins because oh, that whole region gets rented out. You know, so there's a lot of like cottage industry cabins, and and this is the furniture. You know, we. It, it's not it's not the finest um, quality, but it, it looks nice, it's rustic, and it's affordable. And so people will come down and mm-hmm. like that that sort of uh, vibe for right, their, their right. cabin. And they'll say, like, I need, you know, I'm looking for beds and dressers and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're trying to outfit their whole cabin with this. So that's, we like it when they
1: come down. Yeah, yeah I, I bet mean, you do. Yeah, it's especially, you know, uh, our growers look at it as a way, too, to get the word out about their product. Of um, course. Even if something isn't going for the price that they exactly want, you know, then they have somebody coming to them to buy a table for their conference room in their office. Right. Or they're, you know, they're milling flooring and selling flooring to folks all winter long and all year round mm-hmm. um, and getting customers through that.
0: Interesting, yeah. So I would imagine one of the great benefits of all of this is um, accruing to the producers, right, that this is providing access to a market they would never have otherwise.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that was very much the reason why we were interested as, you know, the catalyst that really got folks together and get to scale. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the first issue was just getting... You know some of the small landowners around here to the point where they could sell, right? They you know, or to attract folks, but then also um, to make sure that people even knew they were they were there. You know, in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a there's some incredible you know sustainable agriculture and local food work that happens in the region. But I think before really Rural Action got involved in Morgan County, it was an area that people weren't paying much attention to, and they should have been because of, you know now. I think we could say it's kind of the catalyst for wholesale produce in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's incredible retail markets out there like the Athens Farmer's Market, but um, the folks that we're working with aren't going to make it 30 miles to sell at a market for a few hours. Right. They're going to go down the street.
0: Right. Right. Right, exactly, exactly, and um, and uh, yeah, and you're you're down by West Virginia, right? So this is pretty remote. Mm-hmm. And is it also um hilly, mountainous, or like? West hilly. Virginia? We're
1: wooded. Wooded. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: All acreage. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, Okay, so so beautiful, but yeah. hard to navigate, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So you're. It's um the the access to a place where for farmers access to a place that isn't so far away, wouldn't take mm-hmm. them so much right. time to get there. Um, that takes some of the risk out because I'm assuming some of your, you know, your farmers, your, um, they're selling other ways too, but this is a way to make sure that they don't just have to leave stuff in the field.
1: Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for a few folks, it's their first market mm-hmm. um, For a large section of kind of our middle Sellers who are coming, you know, maybe one day a week instead of two days a week, it's their it's their way that they're getting mm-hmm. a portion of their product out. You know, they might sell retail. They might sell direct to somebody. Some of them do you pick. You know, some are orchards oh, that are sure, right. getting out extras. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah, that makes sense, too. It, amazing. So um, what do you see in the future for the auction?
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff, <laughs> yeah. but cool. um, but genuinely, I mean, this is this is the big bet we're taking. You know, we mentioned the position is
3: yeah.
2: is we're looking for serious um, gross sales growth. Mm-hmm. We we after after a number of years, and this is sort of the situation I came on when I when I started here. We weren't we weren't doing a lot of cost control. Um, we had it was bringing in other grants. Things were good. Um, so we, we had not made a net profit, um, and we were down last year to a, a net loss of about $3,000, which was significantly better than the prior two years. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that was sort of one of, that's one of our first goals is make sure that we're at a break-even or, or right. small profitability. And then investing um, to, to grow the top-line sales mm-hmm. um, and, and getting... Um, you know, from the, from the access side of things, getting boots on the ground in Chester Hill, that has been mm-hmm. one of the biggest constraints in our opinion is we're all in Athens. Um, that's where we were in the plains is right, right over, um, right. that's where we work and it's about a 35 minute drive. Yeah. Uh, so during the season, someone is out there, I'd say three days out of the week, mm-hmm. but, um, certainly not all day on those days and certainly not five days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we've, we had experimented with custom orders, but it was always way too much because we'd be driving back and forth to communicate with the, the, uh, Amish, um, oh, wood, sure. wood product right. makers. Right. So that was of a course. mess. And, um, and, and just having a presence for when people drive by and are curious about what it is and, and when they can come back. Um, but then really, you know, as Joe mentioned before, giving, are sort of uh, the ag team and I, the the capacity to really go out and do sales calls, mm-hmm. go meet with Ohio university and try and get, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a contract from them for, for produce throughout the year, work on farm to school and get those contracts lined up mm-hmm. without worrying about, you know, being on the pro on the auctioneer stand right. uh, typing in every transaction. Right. I think that that's the operations jump. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, one thing that, uh, I mean, this is one of the reasons we went to your um, uh, boot camp, Tara, Mm -hmm. is is we're not sure what the limit is. You know, I mean, we've had, by past example, we've grown... um, from uh, in 09 to three hundred um, last year, and I, mm-hmm. I don't have that number in front of me, but I think it was like seventeen percent compound annual growth rate. Sure. I mean, so it's been it's been significant and it's mm-hmm. been successful, but we, you know, we have not um, we've not effectively done the market research yet to say here's our cap, here's where mm-hmm. we know we're we're really capped out at half a million or right. Uh, or we think we could keep going,
0: right? Well, yeah. it seems to me that the degree to which, I mean, there—if you—if you are an agritourism destination, there are a lot of people in the part of the world that you're in, right? I mean, not literally close, but mm-hmm. that if you're bringing people in for a, from a tourism perspective, you could have people coming from DC. I mean, you know what I mean? They do that, so. Um, so to me, the constraint would probably be more on the um, production side, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right, yeah. And that's very much, you know, been our focus for easily the where we've been to this point. It's just mm-hmm. making sure we're getting folks up to scale in production. Right, right. You know, they were... They they'd were start small. and then stop, and then mm-hmm. you know, they, they were small and tried to grow, and then they would get burned on a contract or something. Right. So I think we're at the point where our growers are really you know, heavily invested in so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, especially with their, their level of production. Right. Um, but as we grow, you know like Brian mentioned, we are in a relatively small Amish community, which typically drive produce auctions. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of bush growers, but our goal is in the next year while we're pushing everything else – Make sure we have new producers coming on board. Right. And so we have a few different programmatic ways we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them on site is actually going to be a farm incubator on the CPA site. So we've oh, about nice ten acres, and we'll have you know an acre or so of that divided mm-hmm. up for some beginning farmers to just get out there and grow and get connected to all the technical resources that we that we right. bring from Rural Action side too.
0: Right. What will have a the- market. One one of the things I find interesting about this is that uh, there's something about the Amish and Mennonite folks. They're so um, they're so commercially oriented, right? They they get this immediately, and <laughs> and it's funny because young farmers who go into your, and this is this is kind of the food system world, right? Um, they they're, they have this idea about CSA and that kind of stuff, but they don't go to this place. Well, no, it would really help our bottom line. And yes, it's not the same, you know, top of the line price. But you do better if you get cash in, and so you want to sell yep. and that right. kind of stuff. Yep. It's like there's some some there hasn't been. An awareness of that dynamic among the non Amish and Mennonite folks. And so, and I think it's a gap. Like, I feel like food system people, we should have these all over. And because it would help all these young beginning farmers so much for the same reasons it helps the Amish.
2: And we're comfortable, you know, if there's a farmer that begins working with us and they sort of graduate almost. I mean, we even have... No, I, you know, I would imagine some,
0: you'd want them to graduate, right? You know, if, they,
2: if they're... if And we've seen that, too, the, with a lot of the smart young farmers. You know, they get the branding and they get, you know, hosting workshops on their farm. They see these different revenue streams and they haven't come to the auction. But, you know, we're happy if... If that's what it takes, you know that, that's the point of the incubator farm. Is here's some some free or inexpensive mm-hmm. land for a year. Make money at the market. Learn learn things. Make all your mistakes now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if if it turns out that the farmers market is a better option for you, um, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. But uh, to make sure we have that uh, that ladder, so that we're not just expecting young people with mm-hmm. who maybe haven't had you know any kind of career to suddenly be able to you know lease or buy land and start farming i mean it's just around here it's sort of a ludicrous idea (laughs) right
0: right yeah no it is kind of a ludicrous idea and there are all kinds of young people who are doing it you know it's just it i just i think it's a great program that you're thinking of having because um it would help them understand the value of a market like that And and it cultivates a certain mindset about um, developing your the commercial viability of your farm, and not just kind of like what you like to grow.
2: Right. Right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So when when we talk about this, you know, and talking about the future plans, mid to long term, and I think this goes back to when we think about social enterprises, what are we, how are we framing that?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we think both of the activities, you know, the the literal business transaction of the marketplace, and these these interventions to grow both experience and just number of bodies in the in the mm-hmm. grower community, number of acres under management. Um, are, are crucial, but we we sort of understand there need to be not a firewall, but at least a separation um, where you know we're we're running a business, a successful business, and then using that success and hopefully eventually using some of the net income um, mm-hmm. uh, to to work on these programs, as opposed to sort of putting them all together in this. Uh, opaque blob and trying to figure mm-hmm. out how we're actually doing. So right. we're not 100% there yet, but, um, you know, that's that's our goal in the in the mid to long term is mm-hmm. to be able to say... We have this successful business right. that is run run well and, and effectively and people are happy and we pay attention to customer service. And um, and then also <laughs> because mm-hmm. of that, we've been able to do these different demand channels, these different interventions, the, you know, expansion of the grower community.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I tough. mean, that's the, chan, the core central challenge of all social enterprise, right? I mean, you're – you're trying to use um, a vehicle, which is a business, um, in order to create positive social change and the, the degree to which the two of them become a blob, as you call it, right? It makes it very hard to manage the business and to get that, that thing working when you're trying to do all kinds of social change programs that, that actually require a lot of money. Right. 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 Yeah, it's 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 a challenging thing, um, and you've de- you've kept this isn't this is not a separate entity, right? It's 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 within the the bigger organization, right?
2: That's correct. Yeah. yeah, we're and 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 to be fair, you know, we've just started really. I mentioned Zero Waste Event Productions LLC. We've just started experimenting with this, like mm-hmm. how would we manage, you know, either a wholly owned subsidiary or a, a majority ownership stake. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, I mean, it's it's a constant conversation. I <laughs> like,
0: bet it is, and yeah. not
2: just. You know, not just driven by me, but driven by partners saying, well, you were only going to own it for some years. Well, what would it look like if the community owned it? And mm-hmm. we think they're really valid questions. Um
0: I it's love just, it when people uh, say you know, what would it look like if the community would own it because like what is the community like yeah, you need a vehicle like, for a community to own something right. right it's like I
2: always say like are they are they prepared to buy it right <laughs> like, exactly are we've you invested proposing? a lot of money in this. So. All right are you
0: proposing to write a check i mean i i yeah and the other the other thing that comes up a lot is that when people don't know what to do with something they say well we'll make it a co-op right but then, then you need then you need farmers who are willing to do right. it too right I mean it's yeah
2: and to be fair that is I mean in in our in our state anyways that is a common um, way that some of these auctions are owned is mm-hmm. by a, a producers cooperative yeah but um, you know we we have run into some challenges with that because of the direction we've taken the auctions yeah so, I would you imagine know, we've heard that uh, our our specific um, Amish community is not not really interested in owning something that's electrified that's you know mm-hmm. hooked up to the internet they don't mind participating in it cuz they see the value but they don't really want to have an ownership of that so right. you know so that makes it harder then because those are at least are they're our largest growers, you know. Right. So we wouldn't circumvent them to have someone someone else own it that maybe mm-hmm. only sells thousand dollars a year at the auction. Right, <laughs> right, right. So there's, you know, it's it's not an easy question, but we but we do think about mm-hmm. it a lot because that is it, it is a way to firewall a little bit, you know, business right. from programming is right. is having a separate entity.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, more, more, are you going to expand into other, other product lines you think, or I'm not even sure what they might be, but is that something at the auction other than livestock or, or pretty much where you are, you think you're going to grow what you've got now?
2: I think we definitely want to take some time to focus on lives. I mean, livestock was completely new to us. So even just, we have to build out the barn a little bit, we realized, and mm-hmm. put some more stuff in place, um, the uh, and then you know i think the other the other potential area that's sort of consistent with auctions we might go if the farmers want to take that risk um, is you know more of a focus on farm implements farm tools mm, hay I see, yes. we've tried hay that that's been a mixed um, success and it, it's sort of like joe said early on you know we need some commitment um, from the farmers that mm-hmm. they're going to walk that walk that that road and, and take that risk with us.
0: Right.
3: Um,
2: and when we feel like we've gotten significant buy-in from them, you know, when they say we're ready to bring calves and chickens and pigs and such to the livestock auction, we can say, okay, we'll. we'll you know, we'll put that investment in time and mm-hmm. get the license and do all that. But if it's just, you know, a random idea thrown around, right. you know, we're, we're always a little hesitant. Right. right. Is that fair, Joe? Do you think?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing that we talked about was just um, the, I think another thing that happens with social enterprise is that people are so, um, so interested in the mission right and you're so concerned about executing the mission that you start the social enterprise and you don't realize that you gotta market the mission right you gotta market the business and um and that tends to not not happen as much as it should
2: right i mean i think one thing we are I, and we we did a lot of it we the interesting thing is is we've done far more investment in marketing than most produce auctions mm-hmm. and far less than most food hubs I would guess interesting okay, so yep. you know there are very few other produce auctions out there that I'm holding it in my hand you know this we have this beautifully graphic design trifold brochure mm-hmm. with you know like design tomato on it and we have our logo and you know all these these photo or mm-hmm. uh, you know graphics we're finishing up uh uh chesterhillproduceauction.com which you know has all these photos our facebook page we we put a lot of money into growing that that following and, mm-hmm. and communicating with them but uh, so so for produce auctions that normally just print their calendar on a on a, on uh, a standard sheet of paper, paper
0: right and tell people
2: to pass them out right um, you know it's it's more it's more than that but mm-hmm. we we haven't um we haven't seen you know we have we haven't really ever done a, a serious investment in marketing with the intention to grow sales right you know putting and- putting a targeted online campaign Toward resellers for a thousand dollars something, you know, like right.
0: that. And and when I when I use I use the word marketing, but I really mean sales and marketing. And and right. I think the probably the the right word would be sales. Like like there is auctions in a way are kind of the ultimate build it and they will come right idea because you're going to have this thing you're going to have auctions and somehow people are going to know how to they should come there <laughs> you know and when you think about it that when you just hear me say that it was like boy why would anybody think that that would work <laughs> right? um yeah and and the biz, you know the wholesale people the markets that you're talking about are busy people you're going to have to go sell right going to have to go talk to them yeah. 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 Well, it's a fascinating thing to hear how your auction has evolved the way it has.
2: We're excited
1: to be a part of it anyways. <laughs> I,
0: I, I get it. And um, have we missed anything? I think we've covered a lot of ground.
1: So kind of in tandem with the development of the produce auction, we started looking at um, a range of different ways to obviously sell all that product, right? So we had this business. We were helping these local investors start up and then taking over a few years later. So along the way, we were working to figure out where those products end up that aren't just, you know, the build it, build it, and they will come Mm
3: -hmm. uh,
1: open a prayer. (laughs) So we started working with local school districts in the early 2000s to figure out interest in and barriers to farm to school, we were looking at food desert remediation, um, like Brian mentioned, with our Country Fresh Stops program, uh, because they're around most of the county and most of the region. You know, it's a, I guess it's something we haven't really touched upon too much either. Is the fact that you know we are literally in the poorest county in the state and surrounded by some of the other poorest ones? Um, mm-hmm.
3: You know,
1: incredible um, economic challenges, but also food access issues that come with that. You know. A, community might only have a gas station corner store as their source of, you know, everything from food, Mm. yeah, yeah, boxes, whatever, to uh, batteries. So we started working on uh, Country Fresh Stops to uh, address that. And Farm to School really took off uh, a few years later with uh, some USDA funding to Actually, begin looking at processing. You know, mm-hmm. how are we taking products, freezing it, getting it to school districts when they're actually in season? Um, which was the biggest barrier, just the seasonality of, of product. And through those products, or those, um, you know, projects of ours, we've been able to really push um, where products going. That's not just, you know, into a store that might come out a few few times in a season or a restaurant that might order if the price is right. You know, we, we know that people are hungry everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, by figuring out those channels, we've been able to kind of stabilize that that lower part of the economic uh, spectrum in the area.
0: So Country Fresh stops, um, wh- what does that look like?
1: So it's uh, right now it's about 10 different stores uh, in Athens County, Uh, Wood County, West Virginia, which is right across the river from us, and um, some of the surrounding areas, too. Morgan County has a couple.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And essentially a local store owner or some kind of stakeholder in a community that has agreed that they want to, you know, offer this product not to make money but because it should be offered. And Mm -hmm. we work with them to figure out, you know, what what does that look like each week? How much are we bringing? How are you pricing it? Uh, We get them... Um, all kinds of information on display, and actually, you know, turning over uh, fresh produce, which most of them aren't used to um, displaying and dealing with. You right. know, what, where, what are you putting next to each other? What aren't mm-hmm. you? What's getting refrigerated? Uh, and then we set a plan with them for the season to um, actually deliver in the refrigerated delivery truck that Earl Action owns and usually mm-hmm. has a contract for. And uh, we move product around the the area, deliver it, um, depending on, you know, when, when they can get um, in the store. And uh, some of those locations are, you know, just a pop-up, like that we'll do in a hospital.
3: Mm, um, interesting, in Athens,
1: yeah. In Athens, we work with Oblenus Hospital to, um, you know, offer a pop-up market for all their employees mm-hmm. who are coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, those kind of connections to institutions have been, some of the easy ways to get in, you know, a cafeteria can be
0: right. An it's harder, battle, right? But, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And then forming school is is kind of a similar process. You know, we work with the uh, locations, you know, the school districts who are interested, both the uh, you know superintendent or superintendents and the cafeteria staff to actually figure out a purchasing plan. You know, what kind of items can you use throughout the season? Typically, things they're buying already. You know. Mm-hmm corn off the cob, corn cobettes, things like that,
3: mm-hmm.
1: get the orders together, and then we're buying it throughout the season at the peak, processing it at either Hawking College or the Southeast Ohio Food Bank, um, mostly with volunteer labor, you know, a very mm-hmm. kind of a programmatic, grant-funded activity, and then we get it around to the districts in, you know, September or so throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the year.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's great because the, um, the food, for example, if you process in a food bank, does that create a bit of revenue for a food bank too?
1: Yeah, yep. yeah. So we're renting kitchen space. Because yeah. you're
0: renting kitchen space, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it really spreads the economic impact of what you're doing.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And do the farmers feel good about all this? That you know that, that that some of their what they're doing is going to these programs. I think so.
1: Yeah, I think they've really been impressed by the ways that we've. Been able to, in a lot of different ways, grow the auction, but especially in ways where you know people are being fed mm-hmm. and getting really, really amazing product for, you know, an amount that they never could because we're able to help subsidize that cost. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
2: It's interesting, and Joe, maybe you'll disagree with me on this. Um, I feel like the farmers often can be more informed and on board about the mission than some of our consumers. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, And that, that's probably a reflection of, of how engaged we are. But, you know, with the farmers, they're coming to the advisory board meetings. They participate in, in school day at the CPA, you right. know, the, the elementary school field trip out to learn about produce and composting and food systems and auctions. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they help with that and they're, they're they get our communications about that. You know, whereas a lot of the consumers, especially the local ones, you know, not involved in the whole nonprofit sector and, and that that work are like, why the heck is why, – why are you driving the prices up? You know, right, why, why right, can't right. I get my 50-cent my uh, half peck of tomatoes anymore? You know, right, right. it's just – it's more of a um, – and I think, I think people who have been coming for a long time understand, but we don't – we really don't communicate some of the mission as mm-hmm. well with our consumers on site as with some of the farmers they you know the farmers volunteer they we talked about the the hay barn they donated most of the labor all of the labor and many of the materials to to build that and then we invested um, you mm-hmm. know in, in some of the materials and the architectural permits yeah. so it's like they're they're bought they're it. invested um, yeah <laughs> right. they're invested and and mm-hmm. they see the return but uh, a lot of the consumers you know it's i mean it's it's like if, if prices went up at your grocery store, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't tell you why, you're just assuming that someone's taking more money somewhere.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, so. As we say often around here, there are two complaints about an auction: <laughs> prices are too low, prices, prices are, are too high.
3: high. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that that definitely is um that that issue of consumer education. I mean, mm-hmm. because you know, in in tandem to all this work, we're you know, not just operating as an auction where people often think of, you know, a deal. We're also operating in what's a really subsidized, cheap food system globally. Right. That is, you know, well, we can get into that another time, but... Right, (laughs) right. No, (laughs) I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but I think one of the magic things about an auction is it does, it fills this void and it gets... um, and it it do, is a vehicle for creating um, some price points in the system that, because the farmers wouldn't have had anywhere to sell it, this is better than right. zero, right? And right. and it takes the price down so you can do programs like this to to increase mm-hmm. access. So it's it really is a win win. Yeah, and it sounds much. like a opportunity for marketing to yeah. your consumers, right? That mm-hmm. just thinking about that, yeah yeah Wow well we've come we've come a long way um, in a <laughs> short time period and you guys are doing terrific work out there um, thank you. yeah and thank you for joining us today It's been great to talk.
2: Yeah and, and Tara I'll just add if anyone you know listening is interested in learning more about the auction, um, they were in Chester Hill, Ohio, it's the Chester Hill produce auction, and you can go to ChesterHillProduceAuction.com. It's our website for, for tons of information and photos and prices. If, if you're around here and you're interested, mm-hmm. um, or, or find us on Facebook too, that's, that's a great communication channel for us, but we would love to see, uh, anyone swinging through Ohio to, uh, to stop by and, and come, come spend time with us.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, good to talk to you guys, and I hope I can see you sometime.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. You stay
0: in touch. Thanks, Tara. All right. Bye. bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.